0: That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time ever every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. She's back! again. Lauren has graciously agreed to join me on this episode because we're talking about a subject that I think we could, I think it's safe to say you and I are passionate about this subject. Extremely passionate.
1: Passionate on a daily basis. Right. Multiple times a day.
0: Perhaps dependent upon it it would be a better way of phrasing it.
1: Yes. uh, We're talking about coffee, coffee machines and and that wonderful lifeblood that makes me not murder everyone and yeah. sometimes makes me walk right through walls. It
0: definitely gets my stabbing levels down to a, an acceptable level <laughs> so that I don't go around stabbing people. Yeah, we. Uh, th- this is something that a lot of listeners have been requesting. They, uh, We received a couple of different requests from listeners to cover coffee machines. So in order to do that, I thought it'd be fun to first talk about coffee itself, kind of the history of, of coffee and where it comes from and how it's grown and what it's like. And then we'll transition into the various ways human beings have used coffee to make a beverage that we all know and and love. Most of us. I mean, well, I
1: mean, those of us that aren't wrong,
0: right? Maybe you're a tea drinker. We don't pass judgment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh I drink tea as well. Yeah, both. Yeah. In fact, sometimes mixed because Ooh. well, it's not necessarily on purpose. I just I have a problem. All right. So anyway, where does coffee come from? Well, coffee plants are very particular, right? They need mm-hmm. specific types of soil. They need a certain level of uh of of richness to that soil. It needs to be nice fertile ground. And they need really mild temperatures. So they don't do well in climates where you get a lot, uh, like there's a big difference between the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows.
1: Uh, so you're talking something in the tropic kind of area. Yeah, the
0: equatorial area, you know, somewhere around the equator. That's where your weather does not differ- change that dramatically from one part of the year to the other part of the year. And there's actually a band That you could look at, uh, with the, the very, the, the two, the two, uh, borders would be the Tropic of Capricorn and the Tropic of Cancer. And we refer to this band with a particular little, uh, nickname as far as coffee goes. The Bean Belt.
1: Bean Belt.
0: (laughs) So, that sounds
1: like a fabulous fashion accessory. It
0: does, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I, I doubt I could rock the Bean Belt. I just, I'm not, I'm not confident enough in my look. But the only state in the United States that actually falls in that range where you could grow coffee is Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And the Big Island of Hawaii is a place where coffee is grown. There are many plantations there. The volcanic soil, as it turns out, is great for growing coffee.
1: Mm -hmm. In general, higher altitudes are really excellent for growing coffee.
0: And they have a mountain or two on the Big Island. Uh, I've I've visited the Big Island. I have actually visited coffee farms, coffee plantations.
1: I've never been to a coffee farm.
0: It's so awesome! Yeah, you, know, uh, you get to actually see how the plants are grown, how how people uh, are harvest the coffee cherries. Uh, the one the tour I went on, they let you pick a coffee cherry and actually taste it, so you could get to experience what it was like.
1: Oh, which is how you have a recommendation for uh, maybe not eating a whole lot of coffee cherries. Coffee cherries, by the way, are how. Coffee grows because yeah. it doesn't just grow in a little pre-roasted bean on a bush. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's not a. It's not in the pod. No, you know, it's not like like
0: beans like green beans. It's not like that.
1: Right, right. They're they're seeds really, and so they they grow in what's called coffee cherries or coffee berries sometimes. Yeah, uh, which looks a little bit like a like a cherry or a grape. Like it's sort of olive-sized. Yeah, maybe? yeah, yeah. Or about that
0: size. Maybe a little for sort of the smaller olives. Not okay, like, not like those ginormous olives. Monster that, olives. Yeah, defy the laws of man. <laughs> uh these are these they do look kind of like grapes, kind of like 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 a grape and a cherry really got friendly and had little babies. Okay. And um it, the skin is is kind of tough, but then once you pierce the skin, it's all like juicy and bursty. Uh the skin's also very bitter. So I don't recommend mm. chewing on the skins mm. so much. Um and the fruit is very sweet. It's very sticky. It's got a subtle flavor to it. Uh, I think of it kind of like rosewater and watermelon. Ooh, yeah. I
1: think I want to eat that. Actually, you've got to be careful though. Yeah,
0: because those coffee beans, the the seeds uh-huh. are really super hard. Uh huh. And if you're just crunching, you could crack a tooth. Yeah. So that's not well. Not recommended.
1: Duly noted. I I do know that in some places they save uh they save the fruit. Mm -hmm. Once they've used the rest of the of the bean for coffee purposes, dry it out and use it for tea.
0: Oh, interesting. So you could brew a tea using that. Yeah. Now, once you strip that fruit away, you still have some layers on top of the bean itself. Mm -hmm. Right. So little uh,
1: skins kind of.
0: Yeah. So you you have to actually go through a process to get to the point where you can get to the bean. So you harvest the coffee. You pick these cherries. Uh, Those are either dried in the sun over the course of a week to 10 days, something like that. Or they're placed in a pulping machine to remove the fruit, and then uh, uh, those beans are dried uh, by the sun, usually. Mm-hmm. You can do it in other ways, but the sun is The very, sun is kind
1: of right there. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I mean, the, the ones I've seen, they, they put them in, like, these big uh, uh, sieves, almost. And then they rake them occasionally to make sure that they're all drying evenly.
1: Uh, yeah, sort of like a like a, if you've ever been gold panning, sort of yeah. like a very large gold panning thing. Right.
0: And, hey, this stuff, panning to me, is, pan. It's, it's like... Just as valuable as gold in my eyes. So
1: Other black gold. (laughs) Yeah. After
0: you dry it, that's when you can get those other outer layers of the bean removed in a process that's called hulling, as in removing the hulls around the beans. Uh, They are graded and sorted by size and density. And then the this coffee, which is referred to as green coffee, the beans have a kind of greenish tinge to them, Mm -hmm. uh, then is shipped to roasters. So you often don't have a coffee plantation and roaster- on the same premises. Mm-hmm. You would, you would, some of the coffee plantations sell their own coffee, but it's a kind of interesting thing because they'll send. <laughs> The green coffee off to roasters, roasters will send the roasted coffee back to the plantation huh. and then the plantation can sell it.
1: Uh, well the roasting is a very specific process and different people, uh, have very specific ideas about exactly how much a coffee bean should be roasted and depending on the type of coffee plant and there are like 6,000 species within the coffee of genius. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've got a lot of options in there. Yeah. It, it's, it gets very particular. So how does, how does the roasting process go?
0: All right. So you get like a, a, a roaster that can Rotate so it's got a, a tumbling kind of, kind of like a clothes dryer. It tumbles because you want all the beans to, uh, to roast evenly. Mm-hmm. You don't want to end up with like a bottom layer that is roasted uh, to one degree and the stuff above it is to a different one, then you have you don't have consistent coffee.
1: Uh, right, right. Yeah. I, my, my first thought that I was like it's like a rotisserie. And then I was like but that would be terrible for beans because you know, you can't like spit them like you can a chicken. <laughs> and then you said and then you said like a clothes dryer and then I just thought of like a clothes dryer f- full of chickens and then I was like, this is a terrible I'm just, oh, I just it's, need to share this with someone to get this idea out of my head. It's like so, the
0: ring. Sounds like a, a rejected Gary Larson Farsight cartoon. Like <laughs> You know, this is too horrifying even for me, clothes dryer full of chickens. Well, at any rate, so the roosters, they are put to a temperature of around 550 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 288 Celsius to get the beans to the right temperature. And once the beans are hot enough, they undergo a a, uh, a process called pyrolysis. Uh, They expand kind of like popcorn. They actually pop out and get much larger than they normally are. And the longer you roast the coffee bean, the more intense the flavors become, the more intense the aroma becomes, those oils become really concentrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do, however, if you, the longer you roast them, you also lose more and more of the caffeine that's inside the, the
1: ah, coffee. Ah, so, so darker beans are actually less caffeinated by the lighter flavored greener beans.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> if you have a light roast coffee, you, typically have more caffeine in it than a dark roast. Keep in mind that it also depends upon the species of the coffee plant, right. right? Some have more caffeine than others. And depending upon the process that they're using, sometimes coffee makers will actually add caffeine back into the mix afterward. Okay. Cuz you want to make sure that you have that <laughs> kick. But yeah, some people prefer the the robust flavors of a dark coffee. They do mm-hmm. have stronger flavors. Some people prefer the lighter flavors and the caffeine kick from the lighter coffee. Uh, And in general, lighter coffees have more caffeine. And we've been doing this for a while as in human beings have been harvesting coffee for quite some time. Yes,
1: not just Jonathan and I. Yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) No, we've been spending literally hours harvesting coffee today in preparation for this podcast.
1: By harvesting coffee, we mean reading articles and drinking it. Uh, Yeah, legends place the discovery of coffee a couple thousand years ago. Um, supposedly when a goat herder in what would become Ethiopia noticed that his herd got real perky when they ate the berries off of this one particular plant. The goats seemed to dance.
0: Dancing. Dancing goats. 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 Uh Uh-huh. It's the name of a, uh, of a brand of coffee. Yeah, local,
1: local roaster and, and seller. Yeah, uh, here in Atlanta. Right. Actually, Um, they're,
0: they're very local. They're right they're they're a ten minute walk from our office. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh good good coffee if you ever get into Atlanta. I like yep. them. Um uh, people have probably been eating coffee for a long time. Uh East African tribes used to make uh these balls of like animal fat plus coffee berries. Mm. Um so if you thought that putting butter in your coffee was a whole newfangled thing, then uh, <laughs> you're you're actually late to the game. Hate Interesting. to tell you. Uh, Historians think it was developed into a drink somewhere around 1000 CE on the Arabian Peninsula, and it became hugely popular with Muslim populations there. Uh, They do not consume alcohol, Mm -hmm. so uh, I assumed this was a thing that they were kind of like, yay, drugs are good. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is an alcohol, and yet it gives us an interesting, uh, energetic feeling.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it spread as the religion spread throughout the next few centuries. Legend also has it that coffee growers were so protective of their crops, that they didn't allow plants or even fertile seeds to leave the Arabian Peninsula for, for hundreds of years, until a man smuggled some seeds out of Mecca by strapping them to his chest. Interesting. Um, whether or not that is true, uh, India definitely had some coffee crops growing by about 1600. Yeah. And European travelers around that time started catching on to this whole coffee thing. The Dutch were the first to the, the first Europeans to start up a coffee estate that was on Java, Java Island in 1616. And we think it arrived over in the Americas, possibly also through smuggling mm-hmm. um, around the 1720s. Uh, Brazil and Colombia are now the largest producers of coffee, followed up by Indonesia and Vietnam.
0: I remember hearing a story at one point about, uh, that smuggling of, of coffee beans into the Americas mm-hmm. through, uh, being hidden in flowers. That yeah.
1: Yeah. I heard that, um, uh, a Brazilian foreign dignitary, mm-hmm. uh, talked real pretty to, to the wife of someone over in a coffee growing estate. Right. And, and then uh, managed
0: to, to, to smuggle them back to, back to Brazil where it
1: flourished. Right.
0: But so smuggling big in the coffee world, as it turns (laughs) out, like one of those things where this belongs to the world. (laughs) Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed. And I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town, I use my smartphone to look up things to do, or most importantly, where to eat. In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber meets the road into the wild, true blue, real life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry. The Nissan Rogue has your back. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential. Through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100 Thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Look to your left, look to your right. (laughs) Yep, no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits,
1: For freedom! For freedom!
0: So let's talk about the history of the action of the coffee machines, the various devices we have used to make coffee. Some of these, you know, you might argue, uh, take the term "machine" pretty liberally, but it is interesting to note that even the most simplistic methods of making coffee have a relation to the standard coffee drip machine that a lot of people have in their homes.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, These first two are not electronic forms, but I would remind you that even a lever is a machine. Yep, that's true. uh, Although this first one, I I hesitate to call a machine. It's really more (laughs) like a device or a prop. Um, The the, the simplest way to make coffee, yeah, is just by pouring hot water over or through some grounds. Mm -hmm. I'm very fond of my drip cone, personally. Uh, it's just a cone-shaped thing, and you put a filter in it to contain the grounds, and you place the whole contraption on top of a coffee cup, and then you pour hot water through it until the cup is full of coffee. And then, yay, everything is better in the universe. Um uh, a, a little bit more complicated than that is what's known in the U.S. as a French press and more generally around the world as a coffee press or coffee plunger or a uh, cafeteria piston. And this is a very simple manual machine, uh, man-powered or woman-powered, person-powered, really, mm-hmm. um, consisting of a you know cylindrical chamber and a fitted filter that's attached to a rod. Right. You you steep the coffee grounds in hot water in the chamber, and when it's brewed to your liking, you just push the filter down into the chamber. Uh, the, the the water. Flows up through the filter, right. and it collects the grounds at the bottom of the chamber, which lets you pour non-chewy coffee off of the top.
0: Yep, and you uh, you got to make that you got to make both the pressing uh, very smooth and slow, and the pouring you need to make nice and smooth and slow, so that you make sure you're not stirring up a lot of sediment. You can get sediment from French press coffee. Oh, definitely. It usually tends to end up in the cup no matter what. Yeah. Uh, the first time I ever used a French press was at a restaurant in Las Vegas with lots of people all around me. And I just felt like I've got to do this right <laughs> or everyone will judge me. <laughs> and I know that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but I'm not even comfortable with that, to tell you the truth. I want to make sure this is Aww. right. And um, <laughs> yeah, so you are just pushing the grounds uh, further and further down to the bottom while the water is allowed to go through the filter or oh, well, the brewed coffee at that point. It's not mm-hmm. even water, it's brewed coffee. Uh is able to pass through the filter so that you can pour it into your cup. And a lot of people will like this method because they think it brews a particularly smooth cup of coffee
1: uh yeah and unlike unlike coffee that uses paper filters in it's processing even like with my drip cone uh you're allowing all of the oils in the coffee to make their way into your cup oil is kind of where the flavor is residing so if uh, the paper is absorbing some of the oil you're losing a little bit of something and getting a tiny little bit of paper fiber in there and
0: and some people are just like that's just not acceptable unacceptable purest form of coffee oil to go into my system as possible. I
1: do. I do prefer French press to all other forms of coffee. Now I might be a coffee snob. Um, The idea of fixing a screen like straight to a pot mm -hmm. in order to avoid getting grounds in your cup probably goes back a ways. But the first patent on the on the actual plunger device was granted in France in 1929. Hence the term French press.
0: Now, if we go back further to the early 1800s. That's when we get the first inventions of the percolators. Now we may be familiar with a percolator that if you've ever seen a coffee pot, it's got a little like knob type protrusion on the very top that's clear.
1: Yeah, yeah, it looks sort of like a sort of like. Do you remember the board game Sorry? Yeah, from when you were a kid. The, right. like the... pop popomatic bubble. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always when I was a kid, I thought that my grandmother's percolator coffee cup probably had a popomatic bubble, <laughs> and she was like, "Don't touch that, it's hot."
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it, in fact, it would be hot. And the reason why it's clear is so that you can see when the coffee has been, has finished percolating, mm-hmm. uh, in case you could not hear it finishing. So this is a really simple machine as well. You've got a chamber at the bottom of the pot. Uh, this is the one that's, you know, closest to the source of heat. This is where the water goes. And a tube leads up from this chamber to the top of the pot. Uh, you put the right amount of water in and coffee grounds go into a, another chamber that sits at the very top of the pot. So you've got a, uh, a filter at the base of the coffee grounds chamber. So here's the deal. You've got the uh, the whole coffee pot on a heat source. Mm-hmm. The heat source heats the water to boiling. That boiling water starts to push uh, water up the tube. It forces water up that tube because there's nowhere else for it to go. So the water goes up the tube where it bubbles over the top. That's where you see on the top of the percolator, the little water bubbling over. Uh, when it bubbles over the top, it goes down into the coffee grounds, and so the coffee grounds and the water get into having a little party up there. <laughs> uh, it absorbs some of those coffee oils. Uh, the now coffee, or very weakly brewed coffee at this point, starts to seep down, eventually going down through the filter and back into the chamber below. Mm-hmm. It continues this process as the cooler water is uh, sinking closer to the heat source, getting heated up, boiling, going up through that tube. The process continues in a cycle until you're getting to a point where all the water inside the percolator is near boiling temperature. Now you don't want it to actually boil boil because they say that boiled coffee is spoiled coffee. It's not going to taste good. (laughs) Uh, but you want it. Like,
1: like any other food, you can totally burn coffee. Oh yeah. And
0: you know it when you've had it. Mm -mm. You're just like, oh. Darn it.
1: It's a flavor of failure.
0: It is. It is. And it's, you know, you're like, I'm still going to drink it, but I'm not happy. <laughs> so, uh, you, you, this, this continues until that percolating sound stops. That's a signal that the water has reached this temperature of near boiling, and you remove it from the heat. And, uh, then you're able to remove the grounds and pour cups of coffee. And, uh, and a lot of people really still prefer percolator coffee, whether it's one, some percolators have a heating element actually in the the coffee thing. So you just plug it in. and Sort of like it. an
1: electric kettle.
0: Yeah. And then others are meant to go directly onto a heating element, whether it's an electric stove, gas stove, maybe even a fire if you're a cowboy. because this, this is how the cowboys made coffee. Or
1: a camper.
0: Yeah, or a camper. Um,
1: um, that, uh,
0: So that, again, popular, but very simple.
1: Yeah, yeah. Simple physics. And... But actually, well, I mean, most most coffee makers are very simple. I hadn't thought about it very much until we we started doing this research. Yeah. Uh, the, the the next one is a uh, vacuum
0: drip. Yeah, which looks like it's something super cool and hipstery and chemistry related. And...
1: Oh yeah, yeah. When the, the first time that I saw one was in a uh, relatively fancy restaurant. Yeah. Down in Saint Petersburg, I believe, actually. Interesting. And, uh, Florida or Russia. F- Florida. Okay. <laughs> Just just checking. <laughs> and, and and it looked it looked like this crazy, like, like 50s era space age kind of thing or, yeah. or possibly like something from like from like gaslight sci fi kind of. Which which is
0: true, because that's about when it dates from it. Oh, well, hey. even it dates before gaslight sci fi because it comes from uh, the 1830s. But it's one of those that we've seen a resurgence in recently as people have you know gone on the quest for the perfect cup of coffee. And this is another one that is based on a very similar principle as to the percolator uh, in in several ways. So if you looked at one of these, uh, they tend to look something like kind of like an hourglass mm-hmm. shape. Uh, the bottom chamber is one that holds the water. It's connected via a tube that has a filter in it to an upper chamber. The upper chamber is open to the atmosphere. It is not closed the, off. The,
1: the top is open. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's not... It's not sealed like an hourglass is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put the coffee grounds in that. Now, the filter keeps the coffee grounds from going down into the lower chamber. Uh, and you would then turn on the heat, allow the water in the bottom chamber to start to boil. That would make water vapor that would force. It creates a, a, an increase in water and air pressure, rather, mm-hmm. uh, because the water vapor is taking up more space than the water was. That's forcing water up that tube through the filter to mingle with the coffee grounds. Uh, With these vacuum drip uh, sets, you are supposed to stir the coffee grounds and water together a little bit so that you get a good amount of coverage and you get the coffee grounds sufficiently wet Mm -hmm. so that those oils seep into the water. When it cools down, the water vapor in the bottom chamber begins to condense. That creates a vacuum, which starts to pull the coffee back down the tube through the filter so you don't get any grounds. Mm -hmm. And it fills up that lower uh, chamber, not with water, but now with brewed coffee. So that's why it's called a vacuum drip. It's because that water vapor, when it's condes- condensing, creates the vacuum, pulling the coffee back down.
1: It, it looks like magic. It looks like fancy coffee science magic yeah. while it's going on.
0: It, it And it definitely looks like, you know, you're like, I have had a mad scientist brew me a cup of coffee. Uh-huh. And, uh, it, very pretty. Like, a lot of these are very, very, the, the the design just makes it look really appealing. There's a very strong aesthetic appeal to these. Sure. Certainly more than, you know, an average coffee maker, right? A lot of those coffee makers are very functional. They're not necessarily pretty. You can not, find pretty ones, but. R-
1: right, right. But most of them are pretty, uh. Utilitarian. Not pretty. Yeah. Pretty not pretty.
0: Mine, mine looks fine, but it doesn't look <laughs> space age. Um. <laughs> Mine actually has a, a coffee grinder uh, permanent filter and uh, and you know, all that kind of stuff mixed into it. So it grinds my coffee just as I need it brewed, which is nice. Yes, but, yes. Um,
1: also very important if you're a coffee snob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that you uh, have less surface area to get stale while right. you're, you know.
0: Exactly, yeah. So that you get that, that really fresh taste. The next one we want to talk about is the mocha pot which is going to sound very similar to the other ones we've just mentioned. But mocha pot coffees is sort of uh, the kind of coffee you brew with this exists in a weird world between the espresso and the coffee. Yeah. So espresso we'll talk about later, but it has its own particular uh, uh, traits, whereas uh, they're, they're slightly different from from coffee. And this is kind of bridging the gap, and it's very popular in Europe, particularly in countries like Italy and France.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, my 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 roommate has one of these that was passed down to her from her Italian grandmother. So. Ah,
0: makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And these are really cool for like portable coffee makers. They're very, they tend to be very compact, and they work on any heating surface. Mm-hmm. You can so also so again for camping
1: yeah. or cowboying yeah, or whatever exactly. you're doing, you can just kind of bring it with you.
0: Exactly, and it's very similar again to the percolators, the vacuum drips. It has a, a, a similar principle. So you've got, uh, again, two chambers, the lower chambers where the water goes. Uh, and then there's kind of it looks almost like a funnel. There's a coffee grounds cone that fits into the lower chamber. All right. So you fill the lower chamber with water up to the right level, which would be below where the cone uh, stops, where, where the coffee grounds would start, because mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to have the water so high that the coffee grounds are already getting wet. Okay. Uh, there is a tube that leads down into the chamber from the coffee grounds cone. Uh, there's a filter there so the coffee grounds don't, again, go into the lower chamber. And then there's another tube that leads up from the base of the kettle part, like the the, the pot part, the part that will hold the coffee. Uh, and they screw together. You put them on this heating element. The heating element heats the water to boiling. Mm-hmm. Water is forced up through the tube of the coffee grounds cone. It then ends up mingling with the coffee grounds, thus creating brewed coffee. Uh, it continues to do so because you it, you keep the heat on. The water just continues to flow up through this tube into the coffee grounds. So the water in the coffee grounds level can't go down because the, the expanding uh, water vapor from below is preventing it. Mm-hmm. It can only go up. So it goes up through another filter. And up through the tube in the center of the pot and spills over that. And that's where it ends up forming the coffee inside the pot section. And again, you have to pay really close attention to this because if you let it go on too long, then it's just going to start sputtering because all that's happening is water vapors being forced up through the tube. There's no more. There's not enough water for it to be an actual stream. Mm anymore. You remove it from the heat. You then can pour out. Either you could pour out extremely concentrated cups of coffee.
1: <laughs> it's, it's really more like <laughs> espresso at that point. I, you, you, would, you would generally either dilute it with uh, hot water or hot milk of some kind.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that tends to be the way to drink it. You can also drink it in the very tiny cups, kind of similar to espresso. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen, too. But yeah, you... no,
1: I, I prefer to do it that way because then you get superpowers.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, my superpower is that uh, I can no longer detect individual heart rate uh, like I can't. <laughs> It's, there's no more thumping. It's just a thrum.
1: Oh, no, um, I love it. I love it when you can just feel every single blood cell in your body as it moves through your veins. It's beautiful. You start to name them.
0: Uh, yeah. In that case, uh, I I I go beyond space and time and I, I like to try and keep my feet on the ground. So uh, I don't I dilute it if I drink it this style. um, But it is it is a very common way of making coffee in different areas of Europe. And I guess there are a few folks in America who make it that way, too. Although we tend in in America to to depend upon the automatic drip coffee machine. And this is the machine that people wanted to know, how the heck does that work?
1: Yes. These electric devices that you buy for for very low amounts of money, really. And you just plug it in and it makes everything okay.
0: It's kind of interesting because it's very similar to the principles we've already covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I was surprised, you know, before I thought about this, I, I suppose if I had left, you know, really critically thought about it, it would have occurred to me. But I had just assumed there was some sort of water pump somewhere in the typical coffee machine. But
1: that's not the case. Uh, right. It's all using the same kind of air pressure and physics that these previous simpler versions, uh, non-electronic versions, have been using.
0: Exactly. So really the electronic part in this case is the heating element mm-hmm. that's contained within the coffee maker. That's really the big uh, invention is that the heating element is not an external one. It's part of the machine. So your basic ele- your basic uh, parts of a coffee machine mm-hmm. include the reservoir. That's where you pour the water into. Mm-hmm. Uh, the w- reservoir has a drain at the base of it. Uh, at that drain has a one-way water valve, which allows water to pass through the drain but not come back up.
1: Ah, uh, which will be important in a moment.
0: Yes. Then you have a tube that connects that hole, that, that reservoir that's connected to the valve on one side, and to essentially a shower head, it's what they tend to call it, on the other side. Because oh,
1: show- it's sort of like a sprinkler. Um, yeah. It's uh, uh, eventually going to, to drip water out over your coffee right. grounds. Exactly.
0: So the this tube is made usually of uh, aluminum because aluminum is very, very good at conducting heat, it's mm-hmm. a very good thermal conductor.
1: And you so, want that water good and hot. Yes, so. you
0: do. And so you, uh, the the tube is where that, that water just will pass straight through. This is still water at this point. It hasn't touched coffee grounds yet. And uh, then you have the heating element. And the heating element uses resistive heating to elevate the water's temperature rapidly. And we've talked about resistive heating in previous episodes of Tech Stuff. Ah, uh,
1: sure, but for a quick reminder. Yeah,
0: so when you have electricity passing through a conductive material, you lose some of that energy, some of that electricity. You don't get a, a one-to-one. So let's say you have a 100 electricity units. I'm making this super simple. <laughs> 100 electricity <laughs> units that are going in from one side, and then you've got a little detector at the other side, and you see that there are only 80 electricity units coming out the other side, and you realize that the other 20 electricity units have been lost in the form of heat. The actual conductor's temperature has increased. So uh, that is incredibly simple, I yeah, realize, but, yeah, but just to illustrate the point. Sure. That's the basis behind resistive heating as is the way electrical heating components work. Electricity passes through the conductive material, it heats up the conductive material, and usually that's waste, but you can make it work for you. Yeah, um, resistance is dependent upon a couple things. the the material itself, so like you know whether it's copper or whatever, whatever conductive material you're using. And it's also dependent upon how much of that material you have, how big a diameter of wire you have, mm-hmm. the gauge of that wire, in other words. Um, and the thicker the wire, the lower the resistance. So using that logic, if you use a very thin wire of a conductive material and you make a really tight coil of it and it's long, then you've got a lot of surface area there. You can create a lot of heat. The resistance of that wire is very high. Mm -hmm. So in a,
1: in a relatively small element. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And you, if you were to do that and then put that so that the, the aluminum tube Which typically has at least one bend in it inside your coffee maker Mm -hmm. to to to, to give
1: you more surface area
0: to work with. Yeah, you want you want that pathway the water goes through to be long enough so that you can heat heat. It it has a chance
1: to heat adequately, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: So you you uh, you have this kind of lining the tube, and now we get to what happens when you actually uh, put water into the reservoir. So here's how. The coffee-making process happens in one of these automatic drips. Uh, you pour the water into the reservoir. That water starts to move through that one-way valve into the tube, fills up the tube. Uh, you turn on the switch, and when you turn on the switch, the heating element is provided electrical current, mm-hmm. and it gets hot. Mm-hmm. So the the tube starts to heat up. That heats up the water inside of it. There are no other moving parts here. All that's happening is the water gets heated to the point where it's boiling, and that boiling does the same thing it did in those other uh, implementations we talked about with making coffee. It starts to push the water up the tube. It can't go back the way it came because that one way valve blocks the way.
1: Right, right.
0: So it's like, sorry guys, can't go this way. You got to go the other way.
1: Mm-hmm. And you- so yeah, so the steam pushes it. Yep. Into that little uh, showerhead thing. Yep. Down onto your coffee where it drips through the coffee grounds yep. and into a waiting carafe.
0: Yep. So you've got the the filter that obviously keeps the coffee grounds from going into the carafe, because no one wants that.
1: Hopefully, I've yeah. had a few disastrous where
0: you've you've forgotten to put in a filter, or, or a, where a it broke, or, or yeah, 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 yeah. The the one I have, mine has a a gold mesh filter, so, so you have to wash the filter after every use. Yeah, but but you don't have to buy filters, which is nice. Yes. Um, but anyway, you uh, the that that's where you get the coffee. The coffee ends up uh, the brewed coffee ends up in the craft. now. You're not able to control how long the water stays with the coffee grounds, how much of the uh, coffee grounds are actually covered in water. Cause I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just being dripped on.
1: Sure. So there are uh, some
0: limitations.
1: Certainly. And different machines control that for you to certain extents. Um, yeah. but, but most of them are, are pretty basic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the bright side is no moving parts. So it's really pretty a simple machine. Uh, if your coffee maker has broken, it's because the heating element isn't working. That's the most, or that the one-way valve is clogged up.
1: Uh, right. Yeah. If, if your coffee machine does stop functioning, first of all, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I know. That's awful. We're here for you. We, we feel your pain. In fact, our coffee machine this morning at work, which is not an automatic drip coffee machine, was <laughs> not working. And it was a crisis, people, which was only <laughs> solved by an epic journey. To, to the Dancing God's <laughs> coffee shop that's about a, about a five minute walk away.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, if, 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 if this happens to your coffee machine, um, and it is an automatic drip, you can, you can. First, check the one-way valve to see if it's either stuck or clogged. Mm-hmm. Usually just like poking a toothpick or something like that mm-hmm. in there will, will help you see what's going on. Um, or you can, uh, try running vinegar through the machine to clean out any calcium deposits that might have accumulated in the tubes mm-hmm. because electricity plus aluminum plus water plus, yeah, yeah uh, calcium happens. Right. So afterwards, just run two batches of water through the machine to rinse out all the rest of the vinegar because you do not want vinegar vinegary coffee. coffee. Yeah. Or maybe you do, but if if you do, uh,
0: you know, more power to you, but I will decline takes all kinds a cup from you because (laughs) I got enough frustration in my working remotely where you are. Shouldn't dictate what you do work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed. And I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town. I use my smartphone to look up things to do or, most importantly, where to eat? In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are too. That's why you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road into the wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry. The Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go. No need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential. Through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Look to your left, look to your right. <laughs> yep, no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Uh So let's look at some of the special coffee makers that are out there because there are a few and I thought it would be kind of interesting to look at how some of them are different. Like the Clover coffee machine. This is one Clover was a company that was purchased by another little company called Starbucks. So some Starbucks uh locations have Clover coffee machines and you can get a Clover brewed cup of coffee that's different from their normal cups of coffee.
1: Uh, how how is it different, Jonathan?
0: It tastes better in my opinion. Oh, I've, I've well, had hey. a Clover cup of coffee. There's actually actually the the Starbucks across the street from our office has one. Oh. <laughs> that's one of the locations that has one. So if Crazy. you ever go across the street, yeah, then you can get one of these. Um it huh. takes a little longer to brew, but it's kind of worth it. I, so. I think
1: I've been completely ignorant of, of Clover coffee machines until we did this podcast.
0: <laughs> and we have an article on it
1: at How I Stuff know, Works, I know.
0: which <laughs> I didn't even know. I was just I was doing a search on How Stuff Works for coffee just yeah. to see what all the different links we had, and when this one popped up, I'm like, really? <laughs> We've got one on Clover coffee. Okay, and I read it and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. So it's it does have some different elements to it than your average automatic drip coffee machines do. And in fact, it, it has a lot in common with the French press method. Huh. So first off, uh, it has, <laughs> and I love this term, a, quote, proportional integral derivative controller, end quote, which is a fancy way of saying it's got a system to really monitor the temperature of the water and make ah. sure it's the, the, the temperature you want. You can actually, in some of these, <laughs> set the specific temperature. <laughs> so. If it tells you that your coffee beans should be brewed at a specific temperature, you can set that and it'll keep the water as close to that temperature as possible. That's
1: that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Then it also has a uh, way of letting you determine how long the water and coffee grounds can party time excellent together. Mm-hmm um because you want to make sure you have a nice thoroughly brewed cup of coffee not over brewed but not under brewed mm-hmm. so you want to get a, uh, the the ideal amount of those those coffee oils in the water and uh, also it has a, a brewing chamber where you are supposed to stir it <laughs> Because because uh-huh. coffee needs love. It does. So it you does. you stir the coffee grounds a little bit in the water once the water go once the water's heated up and goes into the brewing chamber. That's when you give it a little bit of a stir to make sure it's it's properly mixed. Once it's done, then uh, there's a piston inside that brewing chamber, mm-hmm. and the piston's usual resting position is at the bottom of the chamber. The coffee grounds are on top of it. Water comes in. It commingles. Uh, the bottom of the piston has a mesh kind of filter. So then when you are done brewing the coffee, the piston rises up through the brewing chamber, lifting up all the coffee grounds, leaving the brewed coffee behind until it reaches the very top. And then you see this little cake of coffee grounds come out of the hole. But it's not done yet. (laughs) The drain opens and it creates a vacuum and the piston goes down, being pulled by that vacuum. The coffee drains out and then is dispensed into your cup at the very end the piston comes back to the top so that you can get a little it looks like a little like window scraper <laughs> and you pull the grounds across and there's a in in the clover machines there's a a, a little hole where the waste coffee grounds go so oh, you uh-huh. just you just pull them over into the waste basket essentially and then it's ready for its next cup and you can drink your delicious cup of clear coffee So that's, that's your clover, but we have other ones we want to talk about. Uh, we've been talking about coffee, but what about, uh, what about this here espresso I'm hearing about?
1: Oh, I just got a shiver right in the, (laughs) right in the base of my neck. Okay. Espresso, espresso, um, is, is not a different kind of, of, Bean. Well, right. I mean, I mean, specific kinds of coffee beans are generally considered best use for espresso. They're roasted longer than beans for coffee and they are ground very, 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 very fine. More, more like powdered sugar than, mm. than coffee grounds.
0: Right. So you do not ever want to put, like if you had ground espresso, you would not want to put it in a coffee maker.
1: No, that would probably Wreak havoc,
0: yeah, you, on
1: the fine little machine parts, right? Yeah, it's
0: just gonna it's just gonna go right through the filter. Mm-hmm. You're gonna end up with a cloudy, nasty cup of grossness.
1: Yes, and and espresso actually refers to a, a pressing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's from the Italian word for for press, and it's so it's made by by packing these very fine grounds very tightly and forcing a small amount of water through them, j- just one point five ounces. If you're being traditional about it, and most people are.
0: Wow. So we're talking, that's when you see the tamping, right? Where mm-hmm. baristas will tamp down so it's nice and tightly packed.
1: Right, right. And uh, it, it's so densely packed, in fact, that the wee edges of each particle of powder start interlocking with each other. Wow. Which makes it really difficult for the water to, to get through them. Like like 25 to 30 seconds is the ideal amount of time for 1.5 ounces of water to make its way through a pull of espresso.
0: Wow. So you're using a uh, pressure to push this water through, I imagine, not just
1: gravity. Right, definitely. Um, and an espresso machine can, can actually be as simple as many of the devices we were talking about earlier, just like a, like a heatable water reservoir placed beneath a disk of grounds, a, again, using a filter to make sure that the, that the grounds are stay in place and don't drip down into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a single way for the water to get out of this heating system, which is a pipe at the top of the grounds container. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you boil the water in the reservoir, the heat of the system will increase the pressure. The water will be forced up through the grounds and then out through the pipe, which you'll ideally want to curve around into a little bit of a spigot unless you want a boiling espresso fountain. Which sounds festive, but painful. Yes. Well, not quite boiling. Um Well, OK, in that case, it would be boiling <laughs> And that is why most people do not use this method, because the ideal temperature for espresso is below boiling, Mm. uh, somewhere around 192 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, wow. In fact, Uh, so most espresso machines use a pump in order to not overheat the water.
0: Mm. So instead of it using the boiling method we've talked about, there's actually a pump mechanism.
1: Right, right. They otherwise work a whole lot like a regular coffee machine, um, what happens here is that this this pump will draw water from the reservoir into a chamber containing a heating element. And when the water is heated to the correct temperature, the pump will pressurize the chamber to about 15 atmospheres, which is uh, 220 pounds per square inch. Mm. And that will force the water down into your little packed filter bound disk of grounds, that's the removable part from an espresso machine, a mm-hmm. uh, little handle on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, then after a few seconds, it will start being forced down out through a spout at the bottom of that disc cool. into your espresso cup.
0: You know, I, I actually, at one time, I demonstrated a handheld espresso machine.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it was a handle that looked like it had a globe at the end of it. Okay. And the globe is where you would put the um, the espresso grounds, you tamp it down, mm-hmm. you put them in this one section of the globe. Uh, it had a filter built into it so it wouldn't uh, allow espresso grounds to go through. And you would pour water into it, had a heating element that would heat it up very, very hot very, very quickly. And it used pressurized gas, in this case, nitrous oxide, huh. little nitrous oxide canisters <laughs> that would plug in through the handle. You'd screw the handle in shut. Very important, as it turns out. You don't want to shoot a nitrous oxide canister across the building. Um, and then when you pull the trigger, <laughs> it would release the nitrous oxide, which would create the pressure to force the hot water through the grounds and thus brew your like, oh, little, cool. little amount of espresso. Uh I discovered that if you are super sleepy at 3 a.m. because you are going to go live on television in an in 2 hours, it is the wrong time for you to decide to unscrew the end of the handle so that you can show how easy it is to insert a nitrous oxide canister when in fact there is not a fully depleted nitrous oxide canister oh. already in the device. Hmm. I dosed myself with laughing gas completely by accident, nearly froze my face off in the process. <laughs> Three in the morning and meanwhile there's a little, little canister of nitrous oxide spinning in the corner of the room. My dogs are wondering what happened. That was a memorable <laughs> morning for me. Oh. <laughs> uh Now, we also have uh, – there's also other things we could talk about. We could talk about Keurig-style pod coffee makers. We didn't really go into detail on that. It's using uh, kind of just the hot water through concentrated coffee method.
1: Uh, sure. I actually do think that that could probably make its own episode, especially yeah. with all of the copyright-related sure. issues that are going on right now.
0: Yeah, that would probably be – it really is its own episode, so we're not going to cover it now because – Frankly, it's just too much. But uh, I love that you have the question in our notes, and I decided to go ahead and answer it. about (laughs) What are coffee crystals?
1: Yeah, what's up with those?
0: Like Folger's Instant Coffee. Oh, right, right. Or or
1: those little um, packets that Starbucks sells now, the Via, Via? Yeah, I Uh, I think you're right. I think it's Via. I I never know how you're supposed to pronounce the Italian words that Starbucks has copyrighted for their own use. Sometimes, Snark, snark, snark.
0: Sorry. (laughs) Why are all of your why are all the names of your of your sizes why do they all mean big? (laughs) Um at any rate, instant coffee. So this is Coffee concentrate, really? It's coffee that was already brewed once, and then essentially dehydrated through freeze drying.
1: Dehydrated coffee? Yeah,
0: you uh, dehydrated liquid. What? <laughs> yeah, so you brew the coffee, right? You you brew it super concentrated coffee, like way stronger than any human being would ever want to
1: drink. Oh, okay, so not like not like the coffee that I like to drink, like Turkish coffee. No, more than that. Okay. Stronger than that?
0: that? It comes in pints? You don't want to drink it that way, trust me. Okay. It would, it would turn your eyes inside out. You don't want it. Uh, so, when it's rehydrated, it has, it becomes a beverage resembling coffee. (laughs) It's better Um, than a
1: TARDIS. Yeah.
0: (laughs) If you believe the Folgers commercials, it's indistinguishable from a fine cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And and perhaps Mm -hmm. that's true. I have become Mm -hmm. a coffee snob. It was invented in 1890 in New Zealand. Huh. Uh, So the dehydration process is freeze drying. The fundamental principle here is called sublimation, which is the shift from a solid to a gas, skipping the liquid stage. So if you're going from solid to gas, you're already thinking, how is concentrated coffee either of these things? (laughs) And the reason first got to freeze it, you freeze it very, very quickly. Uh, if you don't freeze it very quickly, then the process does not work very well. Okay. And the frozen granules of coffee are placed on a flat drying surface, which then goes into a vacuum chamber. Ah. The vacuum chamber is warmed, and the water within those granules, the frozen water, expands quickly into gas. Like, like it, it skips the liquid phase because the vacuum creates a, a difference in pressure.
1: Ah, uh, so, so it goes straight from, from frozen to, oh, I'm everywhere. Yeah, yeah. water vapor. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so then you have condensers that remove the water from the chamber. And all that's left is this concentrated coffee granule. And that is what ends up being the concentrated coffee that you can add to hot water and thus turn into uh, instant coffee. Huh. So uh, you can
1: also turn it into a pretty good stage blood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It's an excellent color coloring for uh for fake blood. If you ever need to make some, that that and a little bit of food dye, and depending on whether you want a, a very viscous blood or something a little bit more liquidy, you can add some like cornstarch or corn syrup or something yeah, like that to I, it. Yeah, I'm but
0: familiar with the corn syrup. I'm way too familiar with the corn (laughs) syrup.
1: But yeah, it adds that kind of like good rust color that the blood Ah, needs so that you don't have the candy red. Right, right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the you more of the Rob Zombie style and less of the 1970s Italian horror style. Yes. Gotcha. Well, one other thing I wanted to mention (laughs) was an interesting use for coffee grounds. Now, this is an idea that came out of a green gadget seminar in 2009. So Uh this was kind of a concept that's never been actually implemented into a product. But I always thought was interesting, and we do have an article on this on how stuff works too. Okay, which is funny because it doesn't really exist beyond the idea stage, as far as I can tell. But it's the Riddy Coffee Printer, R I T I Coffee Printer. Coffee Printer. Yeah, it doesn't print coffee for you to drink. It uses coffee grounds, like like you've already brewed your coffee, so you're already happy, Lauren. It's okay. You're already in your happy. Oh, okay, okay. You've had. You've got your coffee. (laughs) But now you've got these coffee grounds, right? What are you going to do with them? Because coffee grounds are acidic, so you can't just, you know, you you can use them in compost, but they are acidic. Yeah, so, so, so you have
1: to be careful what kind of
0: plants, plants you use, feed them to. Because yeah, some plants are not going to do well with acidic soils. Sure. Um, so what do you do with your coffee grounds once you're done with them, besides just toss them away or, or maybe compost them? Well, the coffee printer may be a solution for you. You would end up using the coffee grounds, uh, you put them into a little canister that would fit into the, the printer. It would actually be um, still uh, uh, external to the printer. So it's not like not like one of those things where you have to lift up a lid and get access to it. It would actually be poking up out of the top. OK, you add some water to it and essentially the water and coffee grounds combine so that you get some of those oils and you're staining the paper coffee stains okay and it also i'm real good at
1: that yeah
0: i've done that before (laughs) uh and of course i've used coffee to make kind of the antiquated looking paper you know that's one of the the treatments you can use very useful
1: parchment
0: yes if you were ever in a renaissance festival
1: giant air quotes and
0: you have to write letters to people as your character at the Renaissance Festival as part of the rehearsal process. Just, just you know,
1: like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: I had to, I can't tell you how many love and hate letters I had to write for the Georgia Renaissance Festival as part of the rehearsal process. I would always treat mine this way so that way it would look like an old letter. Mm-hmm. Presentation was important. Of course. Of course. At any rate, so with the printer, uh, the neat design here, in order to make this really green, they wanted to not just make the ink green, not literally green, but, you know, economically or environmentally conscious. Right. Uh, They decided to remove the useful feature that a lot of printers have where it automatically moves the cartridge across the paper as it prints. Mm -hmm. You have to manually grab on to the cartridge and move it backwards and forwards so it's going left and right across the page.
1: Like a, like a manual loom, uh, yeah. like a manual shuttle for a loom rather yeah. than a, I don't know how many of you actually have any idea of what a manual loom looks like. That might be a very specific reference I played to my family. the LucasArts
0: game loom. <laughs> 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 this is a great game. At any rate, uh, so yeah, you would manually move this left and right across the, the page. Presumably there would be some sort of automatic system to feed the page through the printer and also there would have to be some automatic Inkjet jet system to actually have the the ink print on the paper itself. So I don't know how that would have been reconciled, like how what was the solution to that? Because obviously the speed at which I move the cartridge left and right might be different from the speed anyone else does. So you've got to figure all that into your design. But it was a really interesting concept. Again, it's not a real product you can go out and get, but,
1: no, sure, you know, just That's like, nifty.
0: Yeah. Like if if coffee stains things, why not do it on purpose and make use of it? And then you don't have to go out and buy toner. You would just use your old coffee grounds, which is kind of a neat idea. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, if people were really interested, uh, they could they might not be complaining that they didn't get a handwritten letter because their letters (laughs) smell like coffee. (laughs)
1: And it's hand printed, so yeah. that actually counts for more, according right? You're like, to me. like,
0: I put a lot of effort into printing this one sheet of paper. Yeah. <laughs> I had to move that cartridge back left and right like two thousand times. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was you know this was a, a fun little topic to go into, and maybe we will revisit the the sort of Keurig sty- pod style coffee machines because. There is a lot of controversy around that.
1: There is. There Uh, is. Yeah. I would, I would love to, to come back and talk about that. Uh, shout out to Paul on Twitter for suggesting me for this episode. I think, I think Jonathan, you were talking about like, oh, I want to maybe this coffee episode. Like, who could I possibly get to co-host it? And Paul, who follows both of us, was like, I think Lauren talks about coffee like every day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. As it turns out, it was the, a a perfect choice, perfect choice for co-host. Yes. So Paul, thank you so much. Anyone out there who wants to get in touch with me, whether it's about an upcoming episode idea or maybe there's a particular co-host you want to hear about a particular topic, you know, let me know. Or maybe there's an interview subject, anything like that. You gotta let me know. I'm not psychic. Send me a message. <laughs> Email address is techstuff at com or drop me a line on Twitter, on Facebook, on Tumblr. All three of those, I use the handle techstuff HSW.
1: And, uh, hey kids, if you, if you miss me and Jonathan talking to each other all the time, we still do that. Yeah. Uh, into microphones even. Right. We so that record you can hear it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are joined by our colleague Joe McCormick over on the podcast Forward Thinking. If you do not already listen to that, then you can, uh, figure out all, all about it at FWThinking.com.
0: Yeah. It's a great show. We talk about the, uh, the vision of the future. It's, it's a lot of fun. We talk all about all sorts of stuff. We've even tackled a few science fiction Films over on that one, and and that's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, a lot of technology goes goes over in that in that show, uh, but but some non-technological things as well. Yeah. So if you're if you're interested in general science, it's a good it's a good fit too.
0: You can also catch Lauren as one of the hosts of What the Stuff as well as Brain Stuff, mm-hmm. two those of our video series. Exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, you got to go check those out. They are great. We have, of course, several of our other colleagues are as hosts on that show, as
1: including well. you, Jonathan. Occasionally,
0: they let me be in front of the camera. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And I I get to talk funny things and smart things to folks. That's great. So, yeah, check all that out. It's fantastic. And uh, remember to get in touch with me, and we will talk to you again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your
0: ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions
1: apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History class.
0: Let's go places.